Good morning. The message this morning is out of uh, Ephesians 4, from 1 to 16, as uh, Sean already read. But just let's read it again. Ephesians 4, verse 1. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace has been given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it says, When he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he has also descended into the lower regions of the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave, us, he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, until we attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful screams. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint, with which it is equipped. And each part is working properly. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this message today that Paul has written for us as a church, not just our church here, but the global church. And dear Lord, we as a church are under attack. And, uh, but thank you that you have promised that uh, you will prevail and Satan will not prevail against us. Help us, to Lord, each one to uh, look at our lives and the, lives, the life of us as a, a con congregation, that um, we get the message that what you call us to do. And in, dear Lord, we know that by ourselves we cannot do anything, but we know through you we can be su successful. Please uh, be with us as we go through this message, and uh, let your name be honored. Amen. So today's message is about the church, and that might sound boring, but uh, God has called, him to, called you to himself. He's the head of the church, and also uh, you are part of the, the family, a member of this body, and he's called you for a unique function. These days, people are very individualistic, and uh, everyone thinks that their faith is their own, and they can do what they wish. But God knows better, and therefore, he has called you into a community of believers so that you can be part of a community and also share in the privileges and gifts and blessings and callings that he has called us to. Paul gave his life to the church, both in serving the church as well as the ultimate price he paid on behalf of the church and being persecuted and, and killed. 
So far, in, as we've studied Ephesians, Paul has taught us how God loved us and made provision for us to deal with our sin debt by offering Jesus on a cross. He saved us by grace and seated us with him in heaven in order that he could bless us with immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards Jesus, in Jesus towards us. We, told, we got told that all the barriers of our origin, race, and status have been removed, and we're all part of one body, fellow citizens and of heaven and saints and members of the household of God. As we read in Ephesians 3 earlier in, in this uh, series, verse 14 says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with power through the Spirit, through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask and or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. And Pastor Leland brought that up as well, what it, what it means to be... Um, grounded and rooted in love and in, in Jesus. Paul was so pumped by this wonderful truth that he shared with us in the last uh, three uh, chapters that he doesn't want us only to share in this knowledge, but that he wants us to experience it fully. And only when we are filled with the love and fullness of God that we can fulfill our calling. Today's text deals with how we can be an effective and glorifying church. But before we can do that, each member has to accept Christ as their Savior and allow the Holy Spirit to work powerfully in them. Only then can they experience the love of Jesus that we need to be an effective member and of a God-honoring church. God gives us the Holy Spirit to work in us uh, so that we can bring Him glory. When we succeed as a church, the glory should not come to us but to Jesus. What is the church? The church has been called the body of believers on earth, and, and Jesus calls it his body. This image, this image demonstrates to us a living organism with a head and members. And as we know with the body, if, if the instructions come from the brain, from the head, and the members need to respond to those impulses, otherwise the body cannot function properly. And the church, we have a local church and then a global church, and we're all part of the body of Christ. And to be considered part of the body of Christ, we need to follow the instructions the Bible gives us. In Matthew 16, 16, uh, reads, Simon Peter applied after a question from Jesus, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. 
So Jesus established the church, and it was based on the confession of faith that Jesus is God. And he also um, promised to protect us from Satan, and uh, the church is to do his work till he returns again. Matthew 28, 18 says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So the mission of the church, as we see here, is to make disciples of all nations and um, to baptize them, but to bring them into the church and to make disciples. This passage in Ephesians 4 starts with therefore, and again we see that after all the blessings we, that Paul described to us in the first three chapters, he's, uh, he says, now this has a consequence. Things have to happen because of all these privileges that we've received. And he, he puts an emphasis on that. He said he's in, the ch on, in change for the sake of the church and he's prepared to endure it as long as he knows that we're not missing out on the fullness of God. The first thing he mentions is that you and I in the church have a calling from God. And if this is new to you, then we should look at this again today. What is your calling and our calling today? In Romans 8.28, we read, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose, for those whom he foreknew, he always also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be, trans, uh, be the firstborn among many brothers and those whom he predestined he also called and whom he called he also justified and those who he justified he also glorified so our calling is very sacred and has a very special purpose when God calls you for a purpose he, he predestines you for salvation and then he provides justification for your sins. And then he starts the process of conforming you to the image of his son in order that you be able to fulfill his purpose. Once you are able to glorify God in your purpose, he called you to, then you will experience his joy and his blessing as well as receive the crown of glory when you meet him in heaven. Ephesians 3, 8, we read, To me, though I am the very least of the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for the ages in God who created all things so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. We, as Christians and as the church, we have the greatest mystery and the greatest knowledge in the universe. And it's our obligation and as God's called us to, to make it known to the world, to our rulers and to the people around us, so that they can see the ultimate glory of God and people that are non-believers could be brought in to experience the riches of Christ. Everyone is seeking for this, but they mostly look in the wrong places, and Satan makes sure that they do. 
So brothers and sisters, is the world around you aware of the reality of God because of you or because of us? Many organizations have a code of conduct. It might start with your parents telling you that, you know, as a family, this is the way we believe. And even in my profession, there's expectation how we conduct, conduct ourselves. And even outside work, there would be uh, consequences if we violate that. And Paul urges us to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which we have been called. As we can see, the calling from God is above all worldly callings. We are members of his family, ambassadors for him on earth. We have to reflect the values, his values on earth. And when others observe how we walk and how we live, they should be able to see that we have a calling from God. I know it's not easy. By yourself, you cannot do that. But that's why the Bible says God gives us the power through the Holy Spirit. God gave us the Holy Spirit. He gave us the the Bible, and he gave us a family of believers, the church, <clears throat> to help us accomplish our goal. God will make us more like Jesus as he changes our behavior, not our behavior, but our character. From God's point of view, this is called sanctification, and from the church's point of view, this is discipling. And this change of character is necessary for you and for me and also for the church to glorify God. The evidence of this character change is stated here in verses 2 and 3. This change in character brings humility, gentleness, patience, the ability to bear with one another in love, and an eagerness to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. <clears throat> what does it look like in the church? Humility means that we surrender to God and our will and our preferences are submitted to God for his benefit and for the sake of the church. And we know that differences exist and differences can rub one another, but if we have love for one another, we can bear with one another, even if people sin in different ways. And that will cause an eagerness to maintain the unity in the church and the bond of peace which the Holy Spirit binds us with. And when we do things that breaks this this unity and the bond of peace, we not only sin against one another, but also against the Holy Spirit. 1 Peter 3.15, we read, But in your hearts honor Christ as Lord, the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason, for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. First, we need to honor Christ and live holy lives. And Peter says, Jesus says, be holy because I am holy. When we live holy lives, people will notice it and want to share it in what we have. And then we need to have the knowledge and the faith so that we can share with them. You cannot argue someone into heaven, but if you have a, live a life that needs supernatural explanation, people will want to have what you, what you have and what your hope is built on, and then you can share uh, the gospel of them in gentleness and respect. 2 Timothy 2.23 says, Have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know that they, are, that they breed quarrels, and the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth. 
and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. So we all have our own opinions and our own backgrounds and our own, old, our own filters, but we need to sur surrender that to God so that our opinions do not get um, us into foolish controversies that leads to quarrels and divisions in the church. And um, it, it's evident all around us, so we need to be really careful about that. The only way that we can be gentle and true with people that we disagree with if we honor Christ as Lord in our hearts. And we need to deal with people in love and gentleness. And as you see in this text, that it might give God an opportunity to convict them of the truth. And the truth will set us free from sin, but bind us together in love. Patience is a virtue, they said, and it, it is truly so. And it doesn't come naturally. But in Corinthians 1.13, we, we read, Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. So we see in order to have patience, we need to love people. And if we love them, we can't be envious or proud or arrogant or rude or insisting on our own way, or irritable, or resentful. Only love can make me bear with one another, and with it, one another's differences. As we can see, this is all fruit of the Holy Spirit. As we surrender to the Holy Spirit, and He changes our character, and this is the fruit that the Holy Spirit works in us. John 13, verse 35, we read, By this all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. So if we love one another, it will be a witness to the world around us, and that will cause unity and a bond of peace amongst us. And in this chapter, we also read about several ways that we intricately bound together. First thing is we belong to one body. As we discussed previously, that's the body of Christ, the Church of Christ, globally, and also as, as uh, the Aris believers of Aerosmith Baptist Church. We are part of a body, and we all need to fulfill our function properly in order for the body to be functioning well. We're also controlled by the same Spirit. Now, we all sensitive to the guidance of the Holy Spirit and submitted to Him. We will not uh, have uh, pulling apart because the Spirit in me will say the same thing in me as it would say to you. And we're not a democracy. We are members of a kingdom and our supreme leader. And we, and we need to, as Jesus, and we need to fully trust and obey him. We have one hope. 1 Timothy 4.10 says, To this end we toil and strive, because we have a hope set on the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. We have a wonderful hope that Jesus will come back one day and take us back to heaven with him. Even we read that creation is groaning in anticipation of this, to be set free, and we will be set free from the bondage of corruption and sin and give, get perfect bodies and sinless minds. And um, something to look forward to. We are united because we have a common faith, faith in Jesus and his redemption and his calling and his coming back. 
we have died to ourselves, and we've been raised to live with Jesus at our baptism. Hebrews 11, 1 says, Now faith is insurance of things hoped for, for the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. And without faith, verse 6, it is impossible to please him. For whoever draws near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So faith in Jesus is the foundation of our relationship with God. And we can see the sects and the people that, that uh, want to do damage to the church, they always attack the true identity of Jesus Christ, who he is. Uh, and without faith in him, we lose hope. And without faith, we are not saved. And without faith, we cannot please him. And without faith, we'll not be a part of the family of God. Romans 3.21, we read, But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And we are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he may, might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. So we only become righteous through faith and we only grow closer to Jesus by faith in who he truly is. Is Jesus... Your only Lord is the Lord of your life and, and the life of, of a congregation. The word here for Lord is kyrios in the Greek and is translated as Lord. This means also master. So this Jesus, who is the creator and sustainer of the universe, as we read in Colossians, um, is he the Lord and master of your life and, and Lord and master of our church. We have to make sure that he is because there's big consequences and great trouble if it isn't the case. We read in Colossians 1.5 and who, truly, who Jesus truly is. It said, he's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. So this Jesus is, is awesome. As you can see, he created everything. He's in control of everything, and he's the head of the church. And he is our Lord and Savior. We have one loving Father who loved us so much that he sent his only Son to suffer and die for us in order that we can have eternal life and be restored in a relationship with him. He is sovereign and he is in charge with Jesus of everything. We were dead in our trespasses and we needed mercy, but God gave us not only mercy but also grace. 
By grace we are saved, and by grace he blesses us beyond what we can imagine. Ephesians 2, 1 says, You were dead in your transpasses and sins in which you were once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that's now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of the flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and we were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up and seated with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that the coming ages he might show immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. It is not of your own doing, it's the gift of God, not as a result of works, that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You might say, well, we've read this not so long ago. Yes, but it's such an amazing passage of what God's done for us and what he plans for us. And, and um, the last verse, so we are his workmanship. He created us, he's forming us, he's chiseling us for a special purpose to do good works. And these good works he prepares for us, we should just be sensitive to be guided in doing them. He transforms us from the mess we were into his craftsmanship. In order to accomplish um, his work, he's given us gifts of service and power through the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12, we read, Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but the same God, who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Jesus came to earth to suffer and die for us, and he returned back to be on the right hand of God the Father to prepare a place for us and to intercede for us. And he left us the Holy Spirit, the Bible, the church, and the gifts of the Holy Spirit and our abilities to fulfill our mission. Romans 3, 12, verse 3 says, For by grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, individually members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them. If prophecy, do it in proportion to our faith. If service, in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. We see here that we are many members and we have many different gifts. And we all need to, do, um, to, um, to use the gifts to the full extent to, to serve God in order for us to be healthy and for the church to be healthy. He also has called special leaders and re leadership roles to equip the members of the church as we read here, for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. Yes, brothers and sisters, it says here, the work of ministry is by the members. It's not by the leadership that this needs to happen. 
but these, the leaders are supposed to help us as members to do the work of building up the church in love. Lord gave us apostles who gave us the gospel. He gives us prophets to open the word for us, evangelists to proclaim the gospel to the unsaved, to, and teachers to teach us how to obey the Lord, and shepherds to guide us and care for us so that we can do the work of the ministry. What does building up of the church look like? Verse 12 says, To equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So we need to grow in the knowledge of God. And as we grow in the knowledge of God, this will bring unity of the faith. And as we will grow closer to God as we are transformed by the process of sanctification and as we as a church help people to be discipled. Knowing Jesus intimately will mean that you love him and cherish him and want to be in his presence and do what honors him. We heard last week about what it means to have an intimate knowledge of someone. It is a personal relationship, not just a head knowledge, not just facts. And this will bring spiritual maturity to us as well as uh, being able to help fellow members to become spiritually mature as well. Unity also comes from the truth, not my truth or your truth or someone else's truth, but only the truth of God. So that's what we need to seek, to know Jesus for who he truly is, and what he truly tells us in his word. That will cause unity in the body of believers. As he changes to be more like Jesus, we will all be uh, closer to the maturity that he calls us to. And when we reach the full maturity, we will not be easily influenced by false doctrines and self-centered teachers and false conspiracies and all the things that we see every day around us. We will know the truth and be able to speak the truth. Verse 14 says, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. These false doctrines and false teachers know where our vulnerabilities are, and it's only when we are rooted in the real truth and trusting in Jesus that we will not fall victim to them. We know that the truth we have to speak to the obligation to speak the truth in all circumstances. It's not easy because that means sometimes we have to speak truth uh, when there is untruth being spoken. And so to do that, it needs to be based on love. We need to check our motivation when we speak uh, truth into people's lives that might be contrary, contrary to what they believe. Verse 15, I read it again. It says, rather speaking the truth and love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the, whom the whole body joined together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So firstly, we need to know the truth. Then we need to speak the truth. And we have to grow up maturing into him who is, who is Christ. And speaking the truth and love also means that um, we might have to help our fellow members um, 
in their struggles to help them to understand the truth. And it's only when we know the truth and working together as every joint and member of the body that we can grow as a body into, um, and build ourselves up in love. Only when we are united in Christ in this way and each member is doing its function well, we can function well as a church. This will ensure God's, the church's godliness and effectiveness to present Jesus Christ in, in this world in love and faithfulness. And we, when we can do that, we attain our goal as we proclaim that, we, that our goal of our church passionately proclaiming the glory of God in Christ Jesus for the joy of all people. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for this word, and we thank you, dear Lord, that you're in charge. You're our Father, and you're our God, and Jesus Christ is our leader. And the Holy Spirit is here to help us and strengthen us. Dear Lord, we know that church is under attack and Christians are under attack. But what a comforting... Um, message this is that you have started the church and you will not neglect the church. And dear Lord, we pray that you will help us to grow in your knowledge, that we will encourage one another as we know the truth and speak the truth so that we will be, become to the maturity of being more like you and that we will make a difference as a church in this community and as members of the church in this community. We pray, dear Lord, that uh, that will be done through your power only. Amen.